Welcome to Stay Gold, an Outsiders podcast. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I am joined as always by... Esme Mulberry. We are watching our way through the 2005 release of The Outsiders, a complete novel, a film by Francis Ford Coppola. His reissue and re-edit of his 1983 film, The Outsiders, but we're doing it five minutes at a time. So we have made it to the 65-minute mark. Today we're going to be looking at minute 65 to minute 70. Um, and I think, Esme, it is safe to say this is a five minutes we're pretty excited for. Yeah. Um, if you've been listening to the last few episodes, we finally have made it out of Windricksville, and we get a bunch of characters back now. So there was a lot of two-character scenes, um, and now we get an injection of a lot of new, uh, a lot of characters from the beginning of the movie returning. So um, this this is a, a very fun five minutes to watch. But before we get into that five minutes. Do you want to remind us of where we've been in a little uh, segment we call Previously on Stay Gold? So in the last five minutes, it starts with Johnny, Ponyboy, and Dally still at the Dairy Queen. Um, They're talking about how the socials and greasers are going to have this big rumble. Um, Dally mentions that Cherry Valance has turned spy for the greasers. Um, Johnny says he wants to turn himself in because Ponyboy and Cherry will testify that it was self-defense. Um, Dally tries to talk him out of the idea of turning himself in, but they don't really finish the conversation because when they return to the church, it's on fire. They find out there's some kids trapped inside. So Ponyboy, Johnny, and Dally, um, go to save the kids. The church collapses on Johnny and then Dally runs back in to get him. And then the five minutes ends with a shot of ambulances. And yeah, that's where it ends. Presumably heading to a hospital. Yeah, we don't know yet. Yeah. So, uh, so the so this five minutes starts inside one of the ambulance. We get a close up of Pony Boy's face in profile. Um, it's blackened from the smoke of the fire. He has an oxygen tube running under his nose, and he's laying down uh, in the as I said in the back of of one of these speeding ambulances. And Pony Boy starts to try to sit up, and he calls out for Dally and Johnny. And a voice tells them that they're all right and in an ambulance behind them. And we see that the voice is the voice of Jerry, uh, the teacher from uh, from the church fire. And Jerry asks, he says, you guys are three of the bravest kids I've seen in a long time. What are you, professional heroes or something? Um, again, that feels like he's not making a joke exactly, but it's trying yeah. to be clever. It's actually one of the better lines. That's definitely a book line, right? Yeah, in the book he says like he he says both the professional heroes thing, but then he says like he says something like we thought you were sent from heaven and then he says another line and then there's like the professional hero, so there's like more kind of praise and then that line okay. and it feels a little more normal. Oh, I like it. I'm going to start This is the line I'm going to start using <laughs> in life. So <laughs> Um, Ponyboy responds, we're greasers. And Jerry is like, no. <laughs> Which is weird because, like, what does it mean to be a greaser? Like, I just presumed it meant, like, kind of where you lived and social class. I don't know that it – I didn't know that it necessarily implied, implied other things. Um. 
so in the book when he says greasers jerry actually doesn't know what it is and he's okay. like wait what and then he says you know like hoods jds and then he says um oh okay johnny's wanted for murder and dally has like a big police record and then jerry's like oh like he says the line like are you kidding me like it's okay so there's a little bit more yeah to it. Jerry yeah. doesn't necessarily understand, like, know what a greaser is just by saying that. And uh, and Pony Boy continues by saying, "Take us, take me to town, and you'll find out pretty fast uh, who I am." So, um, yeah, that's really interesting to know from the book that that there's a little bit more to his response because it's it's yeah. a little it's a little strange, but it works. And in the book, also in this conversation, there's a whole thing where Pony Boy asks him, like, "Are Johnny and Dally okay?" And he says, like. He kind of, he then like kind of explains which one's Johnny, which one's Dally, and Jerry says that Dally is probably gonna be okay, but he doesn't know about Johnny. Okay, so we get introduced a little bit quicker to yeah. the nature of their injuries, things like this. So we cut to a hospital waiting room. We see Jerry and Pony Boy are sitting, and Pony Boy starts to light up a cigarette. Jerry tells Pony that he shouldn't be smoking. Because he's a young man and it's a bad habit. Now, it's important to note that Jerry is also smoking yeah. um, at this point. Bonnet Ponyboy points that out and Jerry says, I'm older than you. I've been smoking for a long time. Yeah. Um, so it is one of those. It, it's, it's one of those great, like, um, I think kind of commentary moments on, like, the the problem with you know do as I say not as I do that mm-hmm. that Jerry's trying to make a point to Pony Boy but Jerry himself is you know uh, can't follow through on that himself. Yeah, it's also kind of funny too because at least in the book it's mentioned that like Pony Boy passes out from like inhaling too much smoke and then he's smoking. Well, the visual is funny because his yeah. face is still black from the um from all the smoke and the fire yeah. and he just he just he looks like he is literally burnt to a crisp and then he's lighting up <laughs> a cigarette he's smoking yeah yeah so it's it's definitely it's definitely kind of a visual gag um at this point we see nurses and paramedics roll johnny and then dally by on hospital beds uh johnny seems out like but but dally's definitely awake and he and as he rolls by he points at pony and says if you ever pull a stunt like that i'm gonna kill you yeah now, at this point, we get a music cue, mm-hmm. and it's a music cue we should be familiar with because this is the third time that we hear the strains of Elvis's um, Tomorrow is a Long Way, uh, or excuse me, Tomorrow is a Long Time, uh, and as he hears this, or as we hear this, Ponyboy looks, uh, looks up the hall, and he sees Soda Pop, and he rushes to him and gives him a big hug. Now, so I'm trying to think about, like, so this song is clearly meant to represent Ponyboy's connection to his actual family, yeah. right? Because this is what we hear in the dream where he's dreaming about his parents. This is what we hear in the dream where he's dreaming about his brothers when he's up in Windricksville. And now that he's back with his brothers, we hear uh, we hear this again. Tomorrow yeah. is a long time. So clearly this is the anthem of, um, of Ponyboy and his family. So we see Soda check out Ponyboy's bleached and knife cut hair, um, and again, it it is interesting how like maternal Ponyboy seems, you know, or in Dal in Dally like like if we think about the dynamics of that family, like yeah, you know, Ponyboy or, or uh, excuse me, Soda Pop, not Ponyboy, Soda Pop is is very maternal, 
and we'll see Dally is maybe more paternal. You more... mean Dairy or? Sorry, Dairy is yeah. more paternal. <laughs> a lot of strange names I'm struggling with at this point. My head's just kind of a mess. Yeah. Um, so as as uh, Soda and Pony were hugging, behind them we see Dairy. And when Pony sees Dairy, he rushes to him. And, and, and before he can say anything, Pony Boy is saying, is apologizing. He's saying yeah. he's sorry. And we see that Derry gives him this huge hug. And Derry says, I thought we lost you like we lost mom and dad. And we see the brothers share a very long hug. And this is an extended period of time. But it feels good to watch that. Yeah, it does. Because it's like there has been this separation. There has been this not only physical separation, but this sort of break in this relationship. And you can can see see it kind of healing um, or beginning to heal at this moment. Um, and then Derry pulls back and looks at Pony and he says, you sure look funny, you know, with the, (laughs) with the, uh, the blonde chopped hair. So from here we fade to an exterior of the Curtis's street at night and we see their car pull up, uh, and Derry carries the sleeping Pony boy from the backseat into the house and announces we're home. And this is, Mm -hmm. and we're still hearing the strains of Elvis during this. So in the book, the scene where he like reunites with Derry is kind of is like pretty different and i kind of like it more in the book where it's like he, pony boy and soda pop kind of like stop their hug and then pony boy sees that dairy's there and dairy's just like kind of standing in the doorway watching them and pony boy in his head is like keep on trying to convince himself that like dairy doesn't love him and he doesn't love dairy and then he notices that dairy's crying oh and then like he's just watching him do this and dairy actually starts to leave because he thinks that Pony Boy doesn't want him there, and then Pony Boy runs up to him. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So there's a lot more dramatic tension in that mm-hmm. scene in the book. There is. And then also in the book, like they stay in the hospital a long time and like wait and then eventually like a doctor comes and tells them that like Dally's gonna be fine in a couple days, but like Johnny might not make it. Okay. So they introduce way sooner like the idea of Johnny might not live. Hmm. Hmm. That is pretty different. I actually really like that. The books, the te- the tension of the book scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you feel as a viewer. Now, it's hard to view this without already knowing what happens. Uh, as a viewer, I, I could imagine if this is the first time you saw this, that you might wonder about Derry because Derry is kind of like looming in the background for a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely not played up to that degree. Uh, as it is in the book. Um, so f- um, from there we fade to black as they walk into the house. Um, and then we fade in to morning, an exterior of the Curtis house. Inside we see Pony Boy kind of in the morning, you know, walking into the liver- living room and he turns and he sees somebody sitting on the couch. And the way it's shot, you see Pony Boy turn and look, but he's basically looking into camera so you can't tell what he sees. And then we get a reverse shot, and we see that it is Tim Shepard sitting on the couch reading the newspaper, um, which was not the person I expected to see. Even yeah. rewatching this, I forgot about this part. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, because this is not in the 83 cut, right? I don't think so, no. I'm pretty sure it's not, because I remember watching this and being surprised of like, wait, what? Yeah. Why is he there? And Pony's like, hey, Tim. And Tim's just like, hey. like, Like, definitely not like a a warm welcome home mm-hmm. and pony boy asked him if he wants breakfast and he says no 
And then he stands up and he says, thanks for letting me use your couch. And he walks out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the book, what happens is Ponyboy kind of then tells us, kind of talks about how like they never keep their door locked because different like members of their gang will come in and like stay certain nights. And then he kind of tells a story of like one time Tim Shepard was there and he just said, hey, and then left. And... So that's not at this point yeah. in the story, but it's not. But it's a story point. that he tells. It's okay. a story that he tells, but it doesn't actually happen. But I kind of like that they put it in because it's the, just the, it's the same thing of having him show up at the movies. Is then at the rumble when you see him, you know who he is, right? And he actually is a person of significance. I also think it's worth like remembering this is the morning of the rumble when at the end of this day we're getting the big yeah the big battle scene so. The fact that Tim Shepard would be there makes some sense, too. Mm-hmm. You know, because we don't know what happened after Ponyboy went to bed if Dally and Tim or Derry and Tim were talking, things like that. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> from there, Ponyboy goes into the kitchen. He grabs some eggs from the fridge, cracks them into a pan on the stove, and we hear a voice, a uh, two-bits voice at, at the front door asking if anyone's home. Now, this is a cool part about the set is that it's a view of the kitchen, mm-hmm. and we're looking at Pony Boy at the stove. But if we look past that into the into the doorway to the kitchen, you can see all the way to the front door. Yeah, and you can see Two Bit and Steve uh, come in. So Pony Boy tells them to come in. He says not to slam the door, and then immediately Two Bit slams the door because mm-hmm. um, we love our we love our Two Bit. It's the one humor that works. Yeah. Um, so we see them kind of uh, sneak up on the kitchen. We see St- Steve sneaks around the back way to the kitchen. Tubit <clears throat> runs in and grabs Pony Boy as he's holding the frying pan and spins him around, and the egg flies across the room. Um, <clears throat> and then Tubit uh, looks at Pony Boy and he says, "Look at the blonde-headed monkey," because <laughs> um, this is the first time they're seeing him. Yeah, um, live. Um, but we see that Steve also has a copy of the newspaper uh, and he hands it to Pony Boy and says, tell me what it's like to be a hero. Because mm-hmm. uh, in the newspaper, there's a big story with pictures of Johnny, Pony and Dally. Um, and he also, Steve also comments to 2-Bit, you know, asking him, why are you kind of, why are you having a beer for breakfast? Or making the <laughs> observation because 2-Bit has gone to the fridge to grab a beer um, at this point. So uh, we look at the newspaper, and the headline says, Delinquent Youths Turn Heroes. Um, and uh, Tubit comments on the how funny the turn hero thing is, right? Mm-hmm. That there is this sense that they weren't heroic, but this act makes them heroic. But otherwise, they're just delinquents. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Ponyboy reads the paper, he finds out that Johnny is going to be charged with manslaughter. But then he comments and says, what does it mean if he recovers? So here is the first time that we're seeing Pony Boy start to reckon with, like, Johnny might be hurt really bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's been introduced in the book, but not in the movie. So here, mm-hmm. here's the moment when uh, when he sees that. Uh, and then Steve points out how it also says that they saved the kids from the fire. He said, they'd have been dead if it wasn't for you. So 2-Bit speculates that Dally's going to be mad that they didn't mention his police record. Um, and Ponyboy keeps reading. And, he's, and he, one of his comments is that this is all about our family. It's mm-hmm. all about 
uh, dairy and pony and and soda. And he says now they're thinking about putting me and soda in a boy's home. So he, so he's learning all of this by reading this newspaper article, yeah. which is really interesting. You know, to think about like that's how that's how he's getting the information. Um, mm. You know, not from the people around him. Uh, Steve says, "Oh hell, pony boy, they don't do that to heroes." And, and and here's where we get into like small details that I love. As he's saying this, Steve is cutting and then holding in his hand a huge piece of chocolate cake. Now, one of the things um, in this scene, I think it's in this scene in the it is book. This scene. They talk about breakfast at the uh, at the Curtis house. Um, so tell me about breakfast at the Curtis house. Okay, so Ponyboy says that all the, all of them like eggs, but in different ways. In the way Soda Pop likes them is with grape jelly, and I think that's disgusting. Yeah. And then he... Fried eggs with grape jelly. Yeah. And then he also says that, like, they always have chocolate cake at breakfast, which seems really bad for you. And it's just like... It is funny, though, but if you think about, like, a donut at breakfast, you're like, yeah, that's fine, whatever. Yeah. But there is something about, like... Like, Steve just has this big hunk of chocolate cake that he's eating. Mm-hmm. So I like that they have that detail in Yeah, there. but, like, the eggs and jelly thing is worse. Yeah, yeah. It's much worse. Yes, yes. Uh, they also haven't cleaned up that egg off, those eggs yes, off the floor yet. That's actually something I really appreciate about the book is that he mentions that during this conversation, 2-Bit cleans it up. And it's like, yeah, they're actually going to clean up. And also, I kind of like that it's not Ponyboy who cleans it up. It's like 2-Bit has yeah. some sense of responsibility. But then, like, it stresses me out in the movie that no one cleaned it up. Well, what does 2-Bit leave the kitchen? I'm trying to remember. Because maybe, cause, because Ponyboy starts talking to... No, 2-Bit goes into the dining room. It's, yeah, it goes he to the does. Table. You're right. They just walk out of the kitchen and yeah. it's like, come, come on, on, guys. 2-Bit, you need to be be better at that point, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so we have Steve with the uh, with the big hunk of chocolate cake, um, and Pony Boy steps into the bathroom and starts to comb his hair. Steve asks where Soda and who he refers to as Super Dope are, <laughs> and then Soda pops out of the shower wrapped in a towel. So it's like Pony Boy was in the bathroom but didn't realize maybe that Soda was there, or he knew he was there but didn't care. Yeah, I mean the door's open. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so now we have we have sort of soda pop just sort of inserts himself into the conversation, um, and then we see Derry sneak up behind Steve and lift him off the ground, and and I basically ask him, "What did you say? What did you call me?" <laughs> Which is I like this is the first time that Derry seems playful at all. Yeah, you know, it's okay. This is what I find really interesting about this scene is that in the book, Steve calls him Superman. And then um, Ponyboy kind of says, like, in the narration that, like, they all call him that from time to time. And then he says that one time Steve made the mistake of referring to Daddario as all bra, no brain. And in this scene, Steve says that. But Ponyboy says in the book that Derry, like, hit him in the face and then, like, never forgave him for it. Where in the movie, they have him say it and it's just like he doesn't really care. It's just kind of laughed off. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, th- so so this is what we're talking about in terms of like some fun is injected back in. Like we're yes. out, we're out of Windricksville. We're out of sort of the darkness of like, um, you know the the greaser soch and the the stabbing and all that. And mm-hmm. now it's like it's fun. 
you get this little snapshot of love of sort of life life together with this group and you sort of realize like oh i could have done with more of this this is kind of great um it partially because you have this great cast that you get to see them play with each other and play off each other a little bit um so pony uh goes over to Derry and asks if he's heard about the juvenile court thing that he read about in the newspaper and Derry says the cops told me last night um soda announces he says hey I tell you what, after we stomp the socials real good, me and Steve are going to throw a party and everyone's going to get ripped. And here we get my favorite Tom Cruise shot. Well, there's a couple favorites, but one of my favorite Tom Cruise shots of the movie, (laughs) we see Steve kind of fist pumping and he just yells out this, uh, what is in the captions, ah, woo, woo. Um, I can't do it, but like this is like a there's a pretty good gif yes. of this out uh, on the internet because um, it is like young scrawny bad teeth Tom Cruise with chocolate cake all over his face, like celebrating and it's yeah he looks it's, insane. It's kind of great, <laughs> you know. But but he's embodying Steve. Yes, here. and I will say, and I, I mentioned this. I don't know if you noticed, but like Cruise is. Trying to do the Oklahoma accent. Yes. Like he's, he's he's going for it here. He's that's what I appreciate about him is like he's not really a big character. Even in the book, the character kind of fades into the background. But like he does a good job with the scenes he's in. Absolutely. Which is which is I think very Tom Cruisey of him to do that. Mm-hmm. Um so Derry asks Soda where he's gonna get the money for this, and Soda says, I'll think of something. So Ponyboy walks out onto the porch and Soda announced Soda uh, sitting down on the couch watching TV and he announces to 2-Bit that Mickey's on TV. So 2-Bit, Steve, and Soda sit and watch a Mickey Mouse cartoon on TV. Now I need to point out we talk a lot about great non-verbal acting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you notice this, but do you notice what Estevez's face looks like as he walks into the room yes. and looks at the TV and then like sits down and watches the TV, he's enraptured. Yes, it's like he is like magnetically drawn yeah. to watching a Mickey Mouse cartoon. I loved that. He it's... both looks like really excited, but also like he's intensely watching it and is like really into it. Yeah. Uh, so then Derry calls out to Pony and walks towards the door, and that's where the five minutes ends. What I love about this is I feel like. All of these characters, even Derry, we get their youth. Yeah. We get a sense of their youth in here. And we get a sense of like, it sort of feels like a dorm room full of guys. You yeah. know, like, like there is, there's like, there's not a lot of, there's no parental supervision other than what Derry provides. And we get a sort of a younger take on Derry here. Um, this is one of my favorite little segments of this movie. I don't know that I thought much of it the first time I saw it, but I really like this. Um, I really like yeah. the snapshot we get here. The first time I watched this, I actually both like like this scene because I like seeing all the people, but I also didn't because it's like so much stuff is happening. It's hard to like pay attention to what's actually being talked about, and there's some actual like really important things that are being said. But then like if you actually if this like the second time you watch it and you really look at it, you're like, oh no, this is like really good. Well, and and in terms of filmmaking, again, the the set of the house is great because. You can see into multiple rooms yeah. from one space, so people can be doing different things, and the dialogue crosses over with each other. So there are, it's like there are multiple conversations going on, or like you get with young people, people will just announce things loudly and take like 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 yeah, 
like when when Pony asks Derry about the juvenile court thing, you know, he Derry answers, and then all of a sudden, Soda Pop just takes over the room and makes this announcement about a party, and it's just like I'm the louder voice right now. Here's what we're gonna do. Yeah, and I, I like I. All that feels genuine and great. I really like this five minutes. Mm-hmm. Especially, well, I like the part in the hospital. I love the the brothers getting together in the hospital and then and then coming into this. I love the weird little Tim Shepard <laughs> moment as well. Um, if we think about this with the book, uh, how, how, how do you feel mm-hmm. about this in terms of as a reflection of the book or any other notes you have? Well, there's another big thing that I kind of forgot to mention. When they're also in the hospital and, like, in the waiting room, there's a whole thing where, like, the cops and reporters come and are, like, asking them questions. And I get why they cut that out of the movie because, like, you don't need it there. But it also, like, it makes the story make more sense that, like, yeah, the cops would show up because someone who was wanted for manslaughter is there. Yeah. And then it also makes sense that the reporters would show up. So, and it also then makes more sense why there's all this stuff in the paper about them so i get why they cut some stuff out there but it's also like it makes more sense if you have it in yeah 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 i kind of think i like the way that they did yeah because i like the 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 way that they did it is pony learns about things through the newspaper instead of learning about them at the hospital so that if you do that you probably have to have pony more aware of some of this stuff and i, I think i like yeah. the way he has the revelations at home reading the paper and then can talk to Derry about it yeah although oh. in the book he doesn't learn about the juvenile court thing until home still so i don't know so if you were to score this on a scale of zero to ten in terms of book fidelity i actually probably give it a kind of low score because you look at each different scene because when he's with in the ambulance with Jerry, there's parts of that conversation cut out. In the hospital, there's big things cut set, that's cut out. When they're at home, there's small things that are changed. Tim Shepard's not supposed to... So it's actually like... It functions the same, but like a lot of stuff is cut out. And there's a, a little parts of things that are added in. A lot of movie creation. Yeah, there's like also like... This is where we learn about soda pop's girlfriend and all that stuff that's happening that's cut out but like they don't need that sure and then yeah like there's just a lot of stuff that's cut out that's understandable but also like it it changes it you yeah know? so it's a departure from the book in yeah terms of that. so what score would you give it i might give it like a six because okay. they do change a lot of stuff but like it's not big enough where like the plot changed because of it it's like the beginning of the five minutes and the end of the five minutes, in comparison to the book, they're at the same place. They know the same stuff. Just things have changed. The way they find out things have changed. Yeah, Conversations yeah. have mm-hmm. changed. I totally get that. But but there's a lot that is spiritually accurate, even if it's not sticking to the book. Yes. So it's not like a three or a four because Mm-mm. of that. Yeah. Right. Should we do a deep dive? Yeah. All right. We are deep diving on uh, one of the people who I think shines in this five minutes. Um, and that is Tom Cruise. Uh, so we talk about the cast of this movie and, um, the name that always jumps out of this cast is Tom Cruise, which is funny because he arguably has the smallest role of any of the greasers in the movie. Yeah. Um, but if we're thinking about this as a launching point for people's careers, 
he's somebody who gets launched faster and further than anyone else in this movie. So he's born July 3rd, uh, 1962 in Syracuse, New York. I didn't realize he was born July 3rd. He famously is nominated for an Oscar for his role in a movie called Born on the 4th of July. So it's very interesting Hmm. that he's almost, in fact, born on the 4th of July. Uh, He moves around a lot as a kid. Um, According to his Wikipedia page, he was in 15 schools in 14 years. So um, a lot of moving, spent some time in Canada. Um, His first screen role was a bit part in 1981's Endless Love. And then he had a larger role that year in the movie Taps. But his big breakout year is 1983. He's in three movies. So he has a small role as Steve Randall in The Outsiders and then starring roles in both Risky Business and All the Right Moves. Uh, In 1985, he's in Ridley Scott's Legend. But then 1986, he becomes a bona fide movie superstar with his roles in the movie Top Gun and The Color of Money. So Top Gun is makes... I think $357 million worldwide. The color of money is a Martin Scorsese movie with Paul Newman. Like, so, so it's like one very prestige movie that he shines in. And then Top Gun is this huge box office, um, winner in 1986. Mm -hmm. So at that point he is just a huge name. Um, Cruz, uh, Top, Top Gun is the first movie that Cruz is in that you would consider a blockbuster. So if we say, a movie that makes a hundred million dollars. Um, uh, it's the first of those movies that he's in. Over the course of his career, he ends up starring in thirty movies that gross over a hundred million dollars, and a lot of them a lot more than a hundred million dollars. So, um, I have a little table here in our notes. I was curious in terms of how do we, um, how do we illustrate the massive superstarness of Tom Cruise's career. So I went through and looked at the total box worldwide box office gross of every film that the eight main actors, uh, young actors in the outsiders. So Cruise, Diane Lane, C Thomas Howell, Rob Lowe, Matt Dillon, Patrick Swayze, Emilio Estevez, and Ralph Macchio of all the movies they were in. What was the worldwide box office gross? And then added those up. Um, so at the bottom of that list is Ralph Macchio, around $400 million, the movies he was in made. Uh, but if we think about it, Macchio basically is in the two Karate Kid movies, which are $130 million movies. And then, um, My Cousin Vinny. But beyond that, he's not in that much. Um, everybody else, there is over a billion dollars for the, for their career. Um, but most of them are close to a billion dollars. Now, what was interesting is, um, number three on the list is C. Thomas Howell. And we talked when we talked about Howell as not having mm-hmm. much of a movie career, but he's in two enormous movies. He's in he's in E.T. before The Outsiders, which is in an which is like a I think a seven, eight hundred million dollar movie um worldwide. And then he's in the Amazing Spider-Man. So that pushes him to one point eight billion dollars uh for for his career in terms of the movies he's been in. Diane Lane is four and a half billion dollars because she plays, um, Martha Kent in the DC cinematic universe. So she's in a number of big, big movies there. Mm. So again, Diane Lane is second with 4.5 billion. Tom Cruise, the 48 movies he's been in have grossed over $12 billion. So another way to think about this is if you add up, the seven other actors in their career, all of their films have grossed $12 billion. Cruz by himself has grossed $12 billion. And another thing is a lot of these, 
are, you know, maybe C. Thomas Howell has a small part in E.T., a small part in The Amazing Spider-Man. Tom Cruise doesn't play small parts. All of these movies, if Cruise is in it, um, with very few exceptions, he is the main star of that movie. Mm. So um, just a, a, a megawatt star coming out of this uh, coming out of this this cast. Um, additionally, Cruise has three times been nominated for uh, Oscars for acting: Born on the Fourth of July in 1990, Jerry Maguire in 97, and Magnolia in 2000. And he uh, was seven times nominated for Golden Globes, winning three for those three movies. So uh, Cruz is, uh, of all the stars that launch out from the Outsiders, Cruz is by far the biggest star of those. Um, It's kind of weird to try to summarize, like, what do you say about Tom Cruise? Well, he's a big movie star, is what Uh you can say. Uh, And I would say his movie coming out uh, that came out this summer is his highest grossing movie of all time. Um, at already over $1.2 billion for Top Gun Maverick. So um, mm. he's still making huge movies. Uh, should we go to who won the five? Let's give out an award. Yeah. So this is a long list of nominees. We have C. Thomas Howell as Ponyboy Curtis. We have Matt Dillon as Dally Winston. Rob Lowe as Soda Pop. Patrick Swayze as Derry. Emilio Estevez as Two-Bit. Tom Cruise as Steve. And I kept uh, Gaylard Saratane in as Jerry because he actually has more lines in this five than he did in the last five. Yeah. He's not winning. He's not winning. Um, I think we know who we want to pick. Is there anybody else you would highlight as contenders? I think Patrick Swayze does a really good job. I like Swayze in this. I think he does. Yeah, he's really good. I don't know other than that. Yeah, I mean, I love Estevez, but this is not great Estevez. Yeah, this like, is he, not Estevez. Although, although the look on his face when he sits down to watch Mickey Mouse, when I saw that, I'm like, is he number two? Is he number two in this scene? Yeah. He's... Uh, because it's it's kind of great. But who's who's the winner here? It's Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise. This oh. is this is maybe his best moments in this uh, in this movie. We're not going to get a lot more of him. We get a little bit around the Rumble, and I so he's he's but but I think this is. This is some top tier Tom Cruise from the accent to the like weird energy that he has. Yeah. Yeah. To the 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 gifable um celebration when he hears <laughs> about the party. Like it's it's kind of the best. Yeah. If you haven't seen that that gif, do yourself a favor and uh just do a search for uh Outsiders Tom Cruise GIF, and I'm sure you, I'm sure it'll be in the top ten things yeah. that come up. Uh it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um do you agree with us that Tom Cruise won the five? Email us, channel3900 at gmail.com. Do you think that uh, Estevez, for his for his look into the TV screen, deserves it? Do you think that um, that we're underselling dairy or soda pop in this scene? Is C. Thomas Howell ever going to win a five? <laughs> should I have put Tim Shepard on the list? I probably should have. Um, email us, channel3900 at gmail.com with your thoughts. That is all the time that we have. We will be back next week to talk about minute 70 to minute 75. Mm -hmm. Until then, stay gold. Stay gold.